millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing with Chris and Stu. Uh, Stu here, flying solo for this intro. Um, today's guest, it is... Mr. John Malta. Now, John is an old friend of mine. Uh, he's a fellow Essex gentleman. Now, John came into the public eye nine years ago now um, when he decided he would set up a campaign to try and topple the X Factor nonsense and take Rage Against the Machine to number one. Um, which he successfully done. And throughout this podcast, we will find out um, just how he done that and other incredible marketing campaigns. Let's, let's call them guerrilla marketing campaigns that he's been involved with. Um, and his top five list is is fantastic as well. So we, we met at the Pink Toothbrush to record that, a, a stomping ground of John's and... and and Chris headed over, and 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 we we recorded this just before I opened the doors and let six hundred screaming indie kids in to, to to jump all over the place. So it was uh, it was a great a great evening, and uh, it was really nice to to catch up with John. And please do enjoy his his, his top five now. And uh, seventy six, drop that intro. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Now we are recording. We are recording. We are in uh, my spiritual home. We are in the Pink Toothbrush nightclub on a Friday night. It's the calm before the storm. The calm before the storm, where the magic happens. And we're in here for five minutes. I didn't realise that the carpet's been replaced and it's no longer sticky as shit. No, it, we, we replaced the carpet after... God knows how many years, and we've cut it into some small squares, which we will all be auctioning for charity, because everybody wants part of the famous pink toothbrush carpet. That legacy. Which, when you mention this club, most people go, yeah, the one with a sticky carpet. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, we have a new carpet. We've tried as best as we can to to get it sticky. We've thrown beer on it, and we've tried to encourage people to be sick on it. And... uh, (laughs) And there's sweat and teen spirit all over it, mm. so it's work in progress. It'll soon be back to that foul-smelling, sticky, shambolic mass of fibre that um, our clubbers <laughs> expect. So it's coming soon. So, so anyway, description. Speaking you... of a sticky mass of fibre, 
<laughs> Sweat and beer. It gives us great pleasure to introduce this evening's guest, Mr. John Malta. Hello, gentlemen. You right? Hello, everybody. Hey, um, I'm great, thanks. I'm great, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on here, and thanks for... Um, Finally, um, I'm, I'm here. Actually, isn't it? It's been it's, a while, been, it's, been, it? Yeah, it's yeah. been it's been discussed a lot. You mm. come and done the live show in Thurrock. I did indeed. Yeah, and very uh, very great show that was to do as well. Thanks. Was a good laugh. Was, was, it, was it? Was it? Was that our Christmas special one? Yeah. Was you yeah. being? Was you forced to take a, a Ferrero Rocher a Brussels sprout wrapped up? Then? I did, and I uh, do you know I I can't remember what I got that night. You got actually. you got a Ferrero Rocher. Did I? Yeah. yeah. Lucky. I, you lucky. I, I got a feeling I did. Yeah. 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 Struck gold. That's that's rolled round quickly because we're in fucking September, lads. Yeah. That was nine months ago. It's, it's bizarre, isn't it? That is bizarre. So, yeah, I guess we'll do another a Christmas thing. Definitely. And I'll subject other poor bastards to rat, wrapped up well, <laughs> treats. Um, hopefully, John, um, you're happy being here. I know it's uh, been a big part of your your growing up in here. And, uh, and I'm sure we will touch on that as this yeah, podcast yeah, absolutely. Uh, rolls out. So, John, what have you chosen for your top five this evening? Well, um, do you know what? I, I really struggle to think of a, a, a top five. Um, and and what, I, what I also did was had a listen to some of your other excellent guests and Too kind. podcasts. Too kind. Oh, you know, you know. That's not paying us a compliment. <laughs> no, I am, I am paying the oh, guests. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Can yeah. I just say I'm paying the guests a compliment, <laughs> not you, chaps? Sorry. Um, but uh, no, I really struggled because there was some really, really great, great top fives. And I was thinking, oh, Christ, uh, what the hell am I going to do? And um, and I actually put it out on my Facebook and on my on my Twitter. Right. I said, look, okay, you lot, what do you reckon I should do for yeah. top five hardcore listing? Go. And we had all sorts of different... I, I, I couldn't begin to tell you some of the uh, suggestions that, <laughs> that I had uh, from gar- top five garden chairs uh, because <laughs> there's, a, pic- there's a, a picture of me on Facebook where I'm sitting in front of about three different v- varieties of garden chairs and I hadn't noticed. So someone thought, well, why don't you just do f- your, your five favourites? You must garden have chair connoisseur. different garden chairs in your house. And I had no idea that I had different styles. For how many years? As you your know? life flipped upside down as a oh, result of that. competitive industry. <laughs> <laughs> like, once you realise that, you're like, oh. You know, so, so we had all sorts. But then I, um, someone said, well, look, you know, you know, you're known for a chart thing. Why don't you do your favourite number ones? I thought, well, yeah, but that's, you know, I, I think has well, that been just, done just, before. Just to introduce you correctly yeah, as well. Yeah. Obviously, you are a uh, human being. Um, Hello. Yes. But <laughs> however, which I'm sure we're going to discuss this again as the podcast unfolds, but... Um, you came to the nation's attention as being the guy that started the campaign to get Rage Against the Machine and successfully got Rage Against the Machine to number one uh, on Christmas Day. Yes, uh, that's right, yes. Uh, 2009, so next year it'll be 10 years, believe it or not. Years, Can you believe on. that? Herculean task, I can't uh, believe it's been 10 years. I know, I know. And uh, um, we're already in, in the process and we're actually thinking... It's in thoughts, but we're getting a few things down to possibly do uh, a documentary on it. Fantastic. Um, so, um, and this place might even become part of it because uh, I think we were talking about this a couple of years ago, weren't we, Stu? When we, my, the first time I heard yes. the song "Killing in a Name," 
I can't dis- I can't work out whether it was in this very building, the pink toothbrush, mm. or Ritzy's in Romford yeah. on a Monday night. I remember yeah. it was one of them, and I can't work out which one. Um, so to be fair, I, well, well, actually, I think to, I think in fairness, I think I've chosen the brush. I think Good. it had to be Good. here. <laughs> um, so yeah, so yes, it, this this place has got a bit of a spiritual um, connection to that campaign itself. You know, yeah. So you mentioned that um, the people that follow you on social media brought it to your attention that obviously you are you know, known to the, the nation as being a chart bothering pain in the arse. Well, that's a really good way of putting it, and I like that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> thank you. I will go on the headstone. Uh, Said with love. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed, Stuart. That's fine. Um, yeah, well, look, I, I suppose that's how I got known, and um, it opened up doors for me to work with like the Stones, um, that came knocking on my door, which was, you know, wow. astonishing. Um, I got to work with the Hillsborough charity single, which was another Christmas number one. And, yeah, I mean, it, it really opened up a lot of opportunities for me. And um, so I suppose I've got known for that. I've, I've had a lot of people get in touch wanting me to do the same for them. Of course. And I've had to, you know, <laughs> carefully let people down over the years. Um, well, me and Stu have got a single. We've banged together, John. I say banged together. Have we haven't recorded it yet, but we've <laughs> yeah. you're, you're on it. We're doing it, we're doing <laughs> it at now. the end of this uh, right, thing. So. Okay, yeah. I think I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, let, let, let's curveball that straight away from that then. And, and so... Your top five that you've decided to settle on? Yeah, my, my top five I ended up settling on because I thought I'd be a slightly uh, on on uh, on key with what I do, but slightly off as well. And so I've decided uh, to pick my favourite top five number two hit singles in the UK that never made it to the top. Genius. That's a, it's a bloody right? great choice, So uh, just a bit of a curveball for myself as well. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'm having a, you know, a little research on it. Um, really made me think. My God, there were some crackers that never quite just made missed. it. You know, you know. Well, yeah, and I well, thought that'd be interesting. When Stu sent me what your top five was, he just sent his top five number twos, and I was like, finally. <laughs> 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 and then when Stu explained it was singles, I was like, oh yeah, no, no, that's yeah. great yeah, too. That's, that's great that, too. That, that yeah. was after Chris <laughs> sent me several pictures. said, <laughs> <laughs> so here's my top ten. This is a South Park. Mate. <laughs> Oh man, right. that's fantastic! So you, yeah, it's it's crazy because I look at this like how many you you sort of like were rooting to become number one and didn't quite make it. So I'm really looking forward to <laughs> your top five, mate. Okay, great. All right, Let's kick so things yeah, off, mate. Number five, number five. Have you got me in order? I've got me in a very vague order, vague order. if vague I'm order honest with fine. you. And it's probably going to be <laughs> the, the, the first ones that I think of that happen to be in that five. Okay, so well, I've got the list here if you need any help. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I might actually have a quick, mm-hmm. uh, quick shifty at that just to remind myself which ones I trust. Because I'll tell you why, since I, I messaged you to say, hey, I think this is going to be my mm-hmm. top five, since then... <laughs> You know what happens, don't you? Yeah, and I've had so many more that I've sprung up going, oh, my God, that was number two as well. <laughs> yeah, you know. But, um, okay, right. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll start with. If, if um, I'll start with probably my, one of my favourites. Well, they're all really good tunes. Mm. But I'm going to start with Pulp, Sorted Freeze and Whiz. Oh, 1996, yeah. I think, or 95 it might have been, actually. So, and uh, what, what kept that off? Um, I th- ironically... I think it was Michael Jackson. Oh, Earth really? Song, I think. Oh, I mean, um, half fitting. Uh, yeah, yeah, because of what happened. I yeah. think it was that. So he's a bit, he's, uh, he's a bit of a sore loser there, basically, Cocker. When <laughs> <laughs> oh, the well, awards. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the, well, actually, I mean, Polk played um, after that incident at the Brits. I think what you're referring to is the yeah. um, uh, Jarvis Cocker got up on stage in front of Michael Jackson whilst he was singing Earth Song. And yeah. um, he actually, he, he sort of, he didn't drop his trousers, but no. he kind of gesticulated, didn't he? Yeah. Moon wiggled his fingers. Yeah. Well, a lot of crap. Didn't expose himself, sort of did he? No, yeah. no. But... but yeah, sent I, up mm, what needed sending up. Sent up, up Michael Jackson. Yeah. And the gig after that, the very first gig they played, Polk played, was Wembley Arena. And um, and I was I went to that. Mm. And basically, one of the funniest things I've ever seen on stage, Jarvis Cocker, uh, halfway through the gig, I think it was about halfway through, <laughs> he suddenly starts, um, he does his a cappella Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> to, I think, um, what's um, uh, Smooth Criminal? He started doing Smooth <laughs> Criminal. And it was one of the best things I've ever seen. I mean, to see Jarvis Cocker... <laughs> Take the piss out of Michael Jackson at Wembley Arena, a packed Wembley Arena. Great. Very good. But you've got to give it to the guy. And Jarvis, he's an institution, right? He's, he's one, in my mind, probably the last great British pop star. You know, I think he's got everything you want from a credible pop star. He made it in our top five frontmen, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, absolutely. I think you, he, yeah, he came, up, yeah. quite, he came yeah. up quite high on your yeah, one, but it's a, very, it's a very um, valid choice. I think he's just the ultimate nerd. You know, he's the geek that, that, yeah, that, that yeah, knew he that. was clever and knew how to write songs and... Courageous and bold as yeah, well. Yeah, a working class hero. Mm. Like, I, I can't say enough good things about Jarvis Cocker and their performance when they stepped in for the Stone Roses at yeah, Glastonbury. another and good number two single, Love Spreads. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was another one that was nearly going to go on the list, actually. There good you go. Shirt. Big good segue shirt. there. Sorry, nice. Carol. Nice. And, <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, it was... It was a controversial record, wasn't it? Mm. Like it, absolutely. I mean, it was a double A side with, um, I think it was Miss Shapes, if I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I know you were, and I was sort of an indie-ish DJ around the sort of mm-hmm. mid nineties as well. And um, we always used to get asked for Miss Shapes. It was I never got asked for the, the, the double A. And um, but I do remember at the time as well when when it was released um, that the it was a very very unfortunate release time uh, because especially here in Essex because we had the the Leah Betts situation oh gosh it was wasn't yeah it? and it, it was released pretty much I mean it, I, I'm not up to the dates and I'm not even going to try so and guess it's, it's got to be around 95, 96 and at school I got loads of shit for so it yeah. just from coming yeah. from Basildon I can talk about that a little bit because yeah, um, yeah. Leah was a regular at my she was Friday night yeah. club in Basildon so it was like the bullseye it was the bullseye yeah, yeah I used to go as well yeah and yeah. Uh, she was an indie kid, mm. and uh, and she went to Raquel's, um, where I also worked previously, uh, which at the time, I think sort of house music and dance music was 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 booming. It was, you know, yeah, it, it was, was, it was and it? and unfortunately, you know, she she took yeah. ecstasy and 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 you know, it had tragic consequences. Um, after her funeral, um, all of her friends all came to the bullseye. And they played Wonderwall. She was a big Oasis fan. They mm-hmm. played Wonderwall um, at her funeral. And I kept getting asked to play Wonderwall. We must have played Wonderwall sort of three or four times that night. And uh, we all her friends were there and grieving. It was a an odd not, an odd club yeah, night. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. it was definitely mixed emotions that night. You know, as much as everyone was enjoying, you know, the the music and the environment, it was definitely sort of touched with elements of sadness. Sour as to undertone. What had to mm. this, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and <coughs> you know, and obviously. Being uh, geographically where we're located, um, I know your podcast goes all over the place, mm. but um, 
in Essex, it really it really hit us hard here at that, that yeah. at the time, it, didn't it? And, and it formed uh, you know. a big campaign. There, yeah. was, a, there was a big um, uh, billboard campaign um, nationwide, right. yep. which yep. Um, had loads of pictures of tablets right the way across it, all shapes and sizes, and written through the middle of the billboard was which one is the killer and the E in killer was really big. And because uh, I know it was her mm, dad, mm. Um, Paul Betts, I think his name was. Um, you could be right. I can't remember. I sort of posted the, the picture time, yeah. of Leah yeah. on Life Support Machine, which was you know front page Jeez, of every newspaper, yeah. and it really brought to the public the public's awareness of you know the consequences the that ecstasy can have. Yeah, recreational you know? drugs. And uh, and yeah, I think it's you know to this day that the name Leah Betts you know rings rings. Bells of everybody, you definitely. Know, as to, as to, you know, I I think you're right. I think that um, you know, even I think I would agree with you. I mean, this was 1995, you know, and and what you know, 20 odd years later, I, th I still think it ha has had an effect um, mm. in the, in the whole of this this part of, of where we live. You know, um, I mean, I, I lived in uh, Southwood and Ferris and Mayland at the time, and and, and Leah was from Latchenden, so I mean, it, it was yeah, it, it was uh, it hit it hit us all really really hard. And I think going back to the song, um, you know, Sorted Freeze and Whiz was kind of caught up in the wrong side of that. I think a little bit mm. because if you listen to the lyrics, it's not yeah, <laughs> and it's not pro drugs in no. any way, shape, or form. And and, and yeah. that's credit to Jarvis's. You know, approach to songwriting and social awareness. You know, he's mm. you yep. know, he's he's, he's one of us, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And can you remember the um, insert in the CD? It was that the insert in the CD was um, an instruction manual how to make yes, a rap. Yes, that's right. Was it? Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, was it the front? Didn't it? Wasn't it? Didn't it make part of the front cover? Because the front cover was because um, it was a double A side, if I remember right. Yeah, it was the double A, definitely. And it wasn't your your, your thin. So I'm going a little yeah. technical here. It wasn't the thin type of CD single. It was like the um, yeah, it was. album style. It was. If it that was. makes sense, yeah. isn't it? Um, and the 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 front was actually the Miss Shapes, which was cut out. To, uh, I think some cut out and keep bodies or something, mm. I can't remember what it was, but but the Ease and Whiz one was actually on the on the back side of it and it was never put as a flipped front yeah. um, at the time, if I remember rightly, uh, because it was also a, an image of a folded up uh, paper, obviously, which was going to have, you know, something in it, mm. you yeah. know, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I remember that really quite vividly, you know, and I remember buying it at the time. It's I, a that fantastic record. Oh, great tune. Mm. It's a great tune, you know, and... Um, and yeah, number two didn't quite didn't quite do it, you know. That's a little bit of break, a, great, a great number. I'm already uh, really looking forward to this, man. Like already, I'm, this top five isn't disappointing. <laughs> what What do you want to throw in next, mate? What should we do next? Should we, uh, let's do something a bit a bit sort of uh, lighter, a bit a bit, you know. <laughs> um, well, this is good, you know. We got this is what music can do, you know. It can be absolutely serious. It can be up in the sky. It's brilliant. Um, I'll tell you, what, I'm going to I'm going to choose Brown Sugar. By the Rolling nice. Stones, if I may. Go for um, it. And um, this one, um, the reason why I've chosen this is actually uh, for the track two. I'm being really, really, uh, you know, deep into this. <laughs> I love Brown Sugar. Great tune. I love the Stones. I won't say any more than that. Uh, but the, the but the B side was Bitch. Right, a track called Bitch. And I'll tell you what, that is, in my book, that is the best Stones track they ever recorded, if you ask me. Um Technically, I think in some parts of Europe it was a double A side. Right. So that's how I'm getting at getting this, this into the list. Sneaking <laughs> in the in there. Yeah. Because it was a, a double A right. side in certain territories. And um, I'm literally just putting it in there for the reason being 
that I think it's the best B-side ever, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, obviously I, I was really lucky to work with the Stones uh, in 2010. How, how, what was that about? How did that come about? Right, well, okay, so, so obviously Rage Against the Machine hit number one. Um, I had a period of my life for a few months where it, it just felt that everyone was after me yeah. in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, and then I got a phone c- No, I didn't get a phone call. I think I got a um What you did was message. literally what any PR company would... It was, yeah. I'll tell you, well, Fucking I, I, impressive. I, I could give you some stories of PR companies yeah. after that mm. getting in touch and mm. some of the things they were saying. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, we, could, we could have a whole show on that, to be honest <laughs> with you. But, um, and uh, credit to you for not yeah. selling your ass and mm. just chasing the dollar. Do you know what I mean? Because you well, were the shoe. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, Simon Cowell oh. offered me a job. Uh, and the ex-wife, well, I was married to her at the time, but we're still good mates. Because uh, you done we that together, right? The, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Tracy helped out. And um, and we were offered uh, jobs by Simon Cowell uh, to, to go work there. The money would have been incredibly good. Mm. Incredibly good. But, you know, it's not really punk, is it? No, it's <laughs> not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, I had proper old school punks from 77, 78, yeah. etc. Messi- writing me some fantastic letters and emails and stuff and I had a guy um, I can't remember his name uh, him and his wife uh, met at a um, um, oh, was it an undertones gig or something like that wherever somewhere and um, they got in touch and said look we were old school punks from from way back and you know some of us have never got over the fact that the establishment fucked over the Sex Pistols basically yeah. and that should have been that was our number one yeah. it was never a number one yeah. we'll talk about that one later <laughs> um, but you know and and you've what you've done is you've kind of helped correct that a little bit for our generation because a lot I know for a fact and these were like in their 40s or 50s at the time I can't, I'm sorry I'm terrible with maths as you can work out um, and basically, they were saying that you know a lot of our friends, that our old school mates that we used to go out in the late seventies and what have you, who were you know in the minority really, um, we've all been talking about it. This whole thing has just caught us, caught us around the neck a little bit, yeah. and we love it. And what you've managed to do is just put a finger, middle finger up, uh, which we've always nearly managed to do, and not quite. And that really, for me, was what that that was it. I was done. That was like fine. I'm done now. That's cool. If if that's what it's done for you, well, you know, thanks for thanks yeah, for telling. Absolutely. I had lots of really lovely messages about what it, how it affected people. We've had marriages. We've had kids born because they met during the campaign hell, that's crazy. on the group. Yeah, yeah. With um, it just that's just crazy. mental. Yeah, no. I mean, it, and and I still sort of get the odd messages going. Oh, this is this is Charlie. He's um three years old now, and and we met when we would we were commenting on your on the rage group you know and so and yeah it, it's, it's been amazing and yeah, to also yeah. you know we're we're so aware of the power of social media now but we wasn't then was we you know we we, we we knew it was a you know it was there and we was all enjoying it but i don't think we was switched on enough to realize that if you can prick people's attention with something that they feel strongly about you can get the masses and, you know, and they can yeah. vote and they can yeah, make a, yeah. a, a change, you know. We've seen it with, you know, look how active Corbyn was, you know, um, in, in the recent election well, on social I mean, media. We, we realise it's a vital part of our, our yeah, daily lives, do you know what I mean? It's a great example of um, how, 
yeah, the establishment in inverted commas got it got that wrong as well, yeah. didn't they? And um, massively. So yeah, I mean, at the time, I was a guy that was experimenting with with Facebook, um, uh, mainly Facebook, Twitter, and all that, and. I kind of realised in 2008, about 10 years ago, that I was thinking, hang on a minute, this this could be really, really yeah. useful. Um, especially the groups facility, which at the time, the Facebook groups of 2008 and 9 and 10 were fan-fucking-tastic. They were way Cause, better cause than they are now. Because they had none of those weird th- metrics now where if you've got a fan following of however many thousand, when you put a post out, it used to go to everyone. Like now they sort of yeah, like go... to every member of yeah, the group. Yeah, now it's like it doesn't go to everyone, yeah. does it? And like no. to, get, to reach your own fan base, you have to pay. And, and, and as yeah. a club promoter, that was the best thing ever. And you couldn't steal yeah. other people's fan bases anymore, but you could back then because um, Facebook groups, you could become an admin of any groups where the admin had been banned for a week <laughs> or two. And you, just a couple of clever little Google prompts <laughs> I found. Um, I got in there and became their new admin. And, and so... <laughs> I had about 600 groups that I could message instantly to every single member to say, and the way I angled it, I angled it differently to different people. So yeah. for uh, people that hated rock music, uh, I, I actually said, look, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're fed up of the X Factor, this is our way that we can do it, mm. all right? And so get on board. If we had people that were, um, I don't know, I mean, diff- just different sort of audiences of people, and I tried to uh, mould it a little bit so that it got them involved. And I always try to make it an us versus them. It's Facebook versus that lot with all the money, you know. Um, And from, you know, initially posting, how how quickly did it gather speed? Well, very quickly. I I mean, we we used a few tricks um, to get it going because at first, when I I had the idea and I thought, oh, that'd be fucking brilliant. How cool. Have <laughs> Rage Against the Machine at Christmas number one. It would never happen, mm. but, you know. Um, Can you remember when you had the idea? Uh, yes, I think so. And a lot of people have asked me this, <laughs> and it's a little bit fuzzy how when it originally arrived. I think I was sitting in my kitchen, um, and it just... I, I might have even been on Facebook doing something else when I think I might have... I don't know. Because just so you're aware, and, and the listeners are aware, the year before, in 2008, I, I did something similar with Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. because And I only did that because I thought it'd be funny. That's all it was, because I thought, hang on, well, downloads count in the charts now, so if we can all download one track, in theory, it will count as a single, Mm. and in theory, we can chart something. And that was all it was. It was just a laugh, just to see if one Facebook group could do it. And we got to... Anyway, that's another story in itself, because... um, there's a lot of story. I've heard all sorts of things where Sony rigged it a little bit. Right. Um, I've got evidence which which has been taken off Wikipedia oh. numerous times, and I keep putting it back on again. And a few of my friends put it back on again because we know we know yeah. that that the 2008 Christmas chart was definitely rigged, not for the number Who one. Took it? Who took number one? Uh, it was Alexandra Alexandra Burke's oh. Hallelujah. But um, Rick has your favourite version of that shoe. We were talking about that the other day, weren't we? <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> let's not let's not cloud this this good this good recording we've got here. Um, but no, I mean we we had um, we had enough sales allegedly to have I think number three or number four for that year's Christmas chunk wow. count, which would have been bloody brilliant. Cause it was yeah, just a laugh. That was all it was. Yeah, yeah. And who thought then that it was Rick Astley would be on stage? There you the go. Foo Fires performing. There you go. It all happens, like doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it all happens, you know. But that's it. So it was, and it was dropped on purpose to seventy three. And we and one of the the guys of Sony actually um, c- 
came out and said this on the James Masterson's chart blog. And funny enough, it all disappeared off the internet very quickly. Weird, that. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Mm, mm. But uh, anyway, conspiracy theories and all that <laughs> malarkey. Um, but yeah, so, so it, it was just a mad time, really. And, and social media, I was playing around with it. Plus the charts allowed downloads. So I put the two together. And really, all I mean, like I said, when we had fake, I had other people's groups, I found a Rage Against the Machine fan group, which had about 4,000 in it. Mm. No admin, so I became the admin. And I changed the title to For Christmas Number One at the end. And um, a little trick that I did is I actually sent it. I found, I or stole, whatever you want to have it. <laughs> we are in Essex. All right, I stole it. Um, <laughs> I found an Excel file full of uh, media contacts and, and journalists. Yeah. Okay. And I emailed loads of them to say, I've got a great campaign. This is going to be big this year. You want to be on this. And naturally, loads of them came back, or a few that bothered got back going, yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, see you later. Yeah, <laughs> jog on. Yeah, jog on, off you go. But then what I did is about an hour or so later, I'd sent them all out another email, but I used the other group, that I'd this group where suddenly it had four or 5,000 members in it, and I sent them that one instead and said, well, we've made 5,000 new members in about an hour and a half, so you snooze, you lose. And mm. I thought, as long as one of them comes back to me, we could be on something. Yeah. And Sky News got back and said bit short notice, it's 3.30, but can you get on to, uh, can you come into London and come on to Sky News? <laughs> I said, I work in London, I'll be there at five, no yeah. problem. So I got there and I did a Sky News interview and um, uh, luckily that day I was wearing a, um, uh, um, this is going to be really like geeky now, but <laughs> a TV show called Look Around You. Um, which was a fake science TV show. <laughs> That's uh, right. Susie Gage talked Susie about. Susie Gage picked that. That was her number one in her top five BBC comedies. It's the, it's the one of the best TV shows ever. I mm. don't blame Susie for yeah. putting that. And if you asked me the same question, I would probably put it top one or two. It's genius. Yeah, it's funny. You have to watch it, listeners. Look, look around you. Anyway, I was wearing a Look Around You t-shirt. And um, thankfully, loads of people spotted this T-shirt. And I was getting loads going, oh, my God, there's a guy wearing a Tony <laughs> Rudd look around you T-shirt. Where does that come from? Who the hell is he? <laughs> and so we, we just I just tried to do little things like that. I then took the, I put the video of that on YouTube, and I sent it off to the BBC and said, you've snoozed, guys. Sky have got there mm. first. You know, um, I'm around tomorrow if it helps. And luckily... They got back to me and said, can you come into the BBC John and we'll do one tomorrow? Clever And so we were just, just playing them off against each other. And that's actually yeah. how it was. The first four or 5,000 people on the Rage Against the Machine campaign were fake. Yeah. I wasn't even one of the first 5,000 <laughs> because I nicked it. All right? <laughs> so when you get people, and I get it loads, right? I go, yeah, yeah, I was one of the first couple of hundred on your group. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, no, you, you weren't. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't yeah, one of the yeah, first yeah, couple yeah, of hundred, yeah. so you definitely weren't. <laughs> you know, so... Um, there's a lot of little mini stories to it that, uh, just you know. incredible. Uh, right. that, that, yeah. When you think marketing companies would sit there, you know, with whiteboards and, and <laughs> come up with all these different campaign concepts and that, and, we, and just we, being... It's just for thinking outside, fact, not even thinking outside the box. Fucking smash the box up and burn it. Yeah. Don't have a box. Um, another little trick we did, um, which is on YouTube if you want to go and find it, I went back onto Sky News on with about four days to go, and by this time, the, the group had gone fucking mental, and we had like half a million in it, or <laughs> 800,000, whatever it was, because it oh hit a million, 1.6 million by the end. But um, And 
there was a guy in the green room that was also doing a, a, like a chart campaign and they'd got us both in and we didn't realise. So we're like, oh, we're both on at the same time. Oh, right, cool. What, what single view are you pushing? And he was pushing, I think it was like the Muppets. It was like a Muppets campaign, right? right? Didn't do very well, hmm. but he was on there. And so we sort of like thought, is there anything we can do to, because otherwise we'll just look like two geeky little twats just sitting there with Facebook groups, or should we try and, you know. And one of the things that I was told I was going to get asked about was um, celebrity backing, because we'd had like the Prodigy, Muse, Stephen Fry, Phil Jupitus, you know, we had loads of people like tweeting about the Rage campaign. And they clearly wanted me to talk about that. So I said to this other guy, I said, look, I'll tell you what, if they ask us that, Go with me on this one. <laughs> Let's pick the most Z-list um, ex-children's <laughs> TV presenters from when we were kids or something like that and make it make that a big thing. Like, we're really wowed by it, right? So when we came on... Oh, yeah, we made it. And again, bringing Look Around You into it. We, one of the fake characters on Look Around You, we put him in it as a celebrity <laughs> endorsement. And so all the Look Around You, like, nutcases like me, were going, oh, he's done it again, he's done it again. And we're going, yeah, we had... Um, so uh, Bonnie Langford has uh, come out <laughs> with her support, which we're really delighted with. Um, Jeffrey from Rainbow, of course, and I think the actor that played Bungle, we hope we think has, has endorsed it, but we're going to check that one out because we really that would make it for us. And we were coming out, you know, <laughs> we were just doing all this sort of stuff. Diane Louise Jordan, you know, it's all it's brilliant. We, and she goes, but any other any other names? You had some. You had Stephen Fry uh, has tweeted about it. And we, yeah, Stephen Fry. But I mean, come on. I mean. <laughs> You know, Jeffrey from Rainbow, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, come on. And so we were doing, we were doing silly little things like that as well. But we knew we had a public watching us, so we thought we, we might as well just do this. Um, I also faked, I faked a cutting off on the Radio Five Live where um, I had an interview and I cut myself off just as I was. It was sounded like I was about to go into. I think he's a fucking cunt. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I went. Do you know? What I think the question was, what do you think of Simon Cowell? <laughs> And I said, weird, do you know what I think of Simon Cow? I'll tell you what I think of Simon Cow. I think he's a complete absolute... And I cut the phone, <laughs> right? I went, like that, done. And then what I did is I went onto Twitter and Facebook immediately and I apologised. Right? And <laughs> I said, sorry if that came out. Bit of a tirade. You probably all heard it, you know. Um, <laughs> sorry, I probably went over a bit overboard there and um, some pretty blue language. Um, but it got picked up. By some yeah. of the media, you know, as as a foul-mouthed tirade, nasty rage against the yeah. machine, punk, you know, that sort of thing. That was what I was trying to do, and so it was just creating an us versus them all the way through. That's that's all I was trying to do, you know. And um, and it still works, folks. If you want to try it, you know. Well, let's it. take some notes. Can I? Can we just just before we go to number three, because you work with the Stones, yeah, and that's yeah. how you pick number two. Um, what was that like? How was that? Um, it was. I didn't get to meet any of them. Sadly, um, which, if I'm honest with you, I didn't expect to. No, I of course not. It's, it's the fucking stones. Mm. Right? They're not all going to come mm. and go, hey, John. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do that. Hey, plug in something for this us. Twat over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, Get yeah. him out, you know. So um, basically, I got a, um, um, a guy called Andrew Dorr, who is the marketing director uh, at uh, Universal Records UK, got in touch. And um, I don't know exactly the exact, exact how it happened, but from what I can recall, um, I think he said something like, oh, are you into, I see you're into the Rolling Stones because of your Facebook mm. uh, profile. And I replied, well, yeah, I love the Stones, man. Yeah, of course. Oh, right, well, um, do you want to come into the office? Can you come in next week? Didn't say what it was about or anything. And I'm thinking, yeah, all right, <laughs> you know. So I went in, 
And he took me um, and, and met up with him, lovely bloke, and he goes, right, come this way. And I had to go into this little listening room, and it had like a, a, a patio door, sliding patio door, but it was in the middle of an office. And I thought, well, that's unusual, what's, what's that all about? I go in there, and it's all got curtains in it, and, and uh, this sort of Denon, uh, uh, other brands are available, uh, Denon Hi-Fi <laughs> in, the, in the corner. And he goes, right, sit yourself down. There's a couple of sofas. I went, oh, all right. Yeah. So I sat down. And basically, he played this Rolling Stones song that I'd never heard in my life. And I thought, Christ, that's good. Wow. And I was just beaming, thinking, mm. the Stones are back, man. Wow, mm. is this new? And he goes, well, not quite. It's actually, it was recorded in 1972 in France when they did what? Exile on Main Street. But it got, it's been lost for 40 years. <laughs> and it got, this, this, yeah, this, this real surreal master tape got found. And it was basically, they found three tracks that they'd forgotten. They were so high or something, they'd yeah. forgotten they'd recorded them. That's crazy. And Mick and Keith apparently had gone in and tied it up a little bit. And, you know, it's called Plundered My Soul. And um, they stuck it on as an extra track on a re-released Exile on Main Street. And I basically said, Would, you know, do you fancy working on the, with re-releasing the album? Um, do you want to, do you want to have a go with it? See what you can do with it. And I thought, <laughs> we don't, you don't say no to the stones. No. So I said, yeah. And so, um, and luckily, I did kind of similar sort of thing, and that worked as well. We beat Muse, I think it was Muse, just about to wow. number one, May 2010. Yeah, yeah. And That's so it was, it was, yeah. I mean, you know, it, the ego did get a bit big at the time. <laughs> I have yeah. to admit, <laughs> sure <laughs> it did. Number one again. Um, but yeah, it's so. But that was that's reason why I thought. Well, it wasn't the reason, but but yeah. The, but to work with them or to say that I vaguely worked with the Rolling Stones. Um, I was just made mate. up, yeah, I mean, you know. Um, it's the Rolling and, Stones. And, and Bitch, Bitch is a fucking great tune. Yeah, that's true. You played it, it yeah, I, I'm trying to think if I, if I recognise it. Absolutely great record. You've played it down here yeah. a couple of times before. I've been in here in the brush when mm. the bitch has gone on and I'm straight out in the middle. <laughs> like well, I might, I might um, yeah. loiter around here later, Stu, you don't know that. Yeah. And, uh and I might, uh, yeah, so maybe, or even before the club comes, I'll maybe play it. So just remind, remind me of it. It's got a real groove to it. You know? Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's, yeah, uh, it was funny. It's on the album anyway. It's on Sticky Fingers album. Uh, but um, it's just such a great show. And, and we've got a brown show on the side. I mean, come on. Yeah, what yeah. more do you want? So, yeah. and it was uh, and it just, just missed being number one. So, okay. There you go. Rolling Stones. What we got for what we got next then, mate? Um, right, yeah, okay. So, so for number three, are we going in reverse order here? We're going in reverse whatever. order. Okay, yeah. um, okay. I've chosen. Uh, Still would be go, three. Going back to uh, a bit of politics, mate. <laughs> um, we're going back to. Uh, I've chosen the Wizard of Oz. Ding dong, the witch is dead. No way. Uh, for released uh, well released like when? Thatcher, wasn't it? Well, mm. yeah. Well, well. You see, it was obviously recorded in 1939. Mm. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, and. Um, now, the, you know, th this was uh, one of those reactionary uh, campaigns that um, I was sort of involved with. There was about six of us. Um, basically, what happened is a Facebook group had been made. Get this. This is before the Rage Against the Machine campaign. It had actually been made in about 2007, 2008. Right. Um, and um, uh, the, the lady in question was called Janie Jones. Genuinely, that was that was actually her name. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like a <laughs> well, superhero. Jane, or Jeanette, or something actually. But obviously, for, for the purposes of rock and roll, Janie Jones. Clash fan, so mm -hmm. it was Janie, and so she got in touch and said, um, you know, when Margaret Thatcher died, she got in touch and said, um, I, 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 
you know what you do. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm getting thousands and thousands of people messaging me, and the group has suddenly just gone from a few hundred hardcore <laughs> crusties to wallop. There is thousands here all going, right, what do we do now? <laughs> so I, I sort of agreed to help out uh, from a distance, if you like. So I wasn't really admin or anything like that but I said yeah okay I'll, I'll you know I'll give a few tips for a start you need to do that 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 and that little things and um, and uh, th they were asked for uh, uh, you know suddenly she was getting asked we kept our identities actually away from the media Nobody really knew. Nobody really knew I was part of it until about two years ago actually um, but we kept all our IDs away from everybody and um, we all, we all created another Facebook account <laughs> to be the admins. So when they're going, uh, the admins are uh, Janie Jones, Noddy Holder, uh, <laughs> you know, Frank Zappa. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. um, and so, uh, and the reason why I've chosen this, chose this really, because not necessarily for the reasons why it, it, it sold a lot, and I can fully understand, and we can, hey, we could probably talk about that all night really had to but um, just it was one of those moments where um, uh, where I, I bit, bit like with the Rick Astley campaign where I thought no something's not right here someone somewhere is fiddling something yeah that's another campaign where I am convinced something wasn't right because right. in those days um, iTunes 2013 is when it happened and iTunes really was was the king King and Queen yeah. of, of if you did well on iTunes, you're pretty much guaranteed you do well in the main chart. And so I also what they did at the time is they had their back end. I'm going all technical computery here, mm -hmm. but where you could actually um, get those see their data. Yeah, you could see the data of, of what songs were selling mm -hmm. really well. Right. You couldn't get it on you iTunes. See the, could you see? Could you see the numbers? You couldn't see the numbers. Not the actual numbers, but you could see the percentages. Oh. Right. Okay. And um, and basically. Ding Dong the Witch is Dead was number one on iTunes most of the week until an hour and a half before the chart finished. Where the track that was at number two, which was last week's number one, which was Need You by. I can't remember who it was now. Um, suddenly. I noticed Duke Jamont. That's it. Duke, yeah, that's the one. Duke Jamont. And suddenly I noticed that was started to sell a lot at 10.30 pm at night. On a, on, a, on a Saturday night, which let's have it right. People that are in the the Duke Dumont listening to the music aren't buying it then, are they? Certainly not at ten thirty on a Saturday night. And it was really selling, and it was going to the point where within an hour and a half it had leapfrogged "Ding Dong the Witch Is Dead" on iTunes. Now this is just iTunes, but you know that really was the, the main one. Um, and then on the, the Sunday when the chart was announced, uh, it was number two, and I'm thinking, hang on a minute, mm. no, I'm not, I'm not so sure about this. Um, and so, and so, um, be that as it may, and it, it did stink a little bit. But we thought, all right, fine, okay. It's still number two. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, know yeah. you lot of the, you lot have got to do something about that. Yeah. Um, and what I loved about it was it was only like it was only like a fifty-eight second song. Yet the BBC, when they played it on the chart show, they made an edited version of about fifteen seconds. Brilliant. Genuinely, <laughs> and the fact that it made the BBC edit a kid's song. Um, that was already <laughs> under was already a really fucking sure. minute. Yeah. Um, for me, is is up there as a great number two record because Absolutely, of the fact it, it made 
and it really got a lot of people hot under the cot. Collar. The music industry um, don't like you, John, do they, really? Let's be honest. Well, no. What I mean by that is the, cor- <laughs> the corporate music yeah. industry fucking hate you. <laughs> I've, I've had a few run-ins. I'll be, I'll be honest, yeah, I've had a few run-ins over the years. Um, I get on with many people in the industry really, really well, actually. Um, but there is a hardcore few that, that are not not fans of me, let's yeah. say. You know? I'm sure, I'm I'm sure that the, the hardcore Tory ones certainly won't. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that's uh, Well, God, yeah. Actually, I'll tell you what. A t- very quick story regarding that. Um, at the time, because it, because this 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 ding dong the witch is dead was gaining so much traction, there was another counter campaign that had been started to get "I Love Maggie Thatcher." There was a song called "I Love Maggie <laughs> Thatcher" by. Oh God. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently: Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That was actually done ironically. It was an ironic song, but obviously they hadn't worked work that one out. And they were trying to get I Love Maggie Thatcher to number one. And because they didn't realise that I was secretly helping out the Ding Dong the Witch is Dead campaign, one of them got in touch with me. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and said, yeah, I don't know if you've seen, but um, yeah, we're trying to get those, those crusty punk people, uh, they'll toss us a lot of them. We're trying to outdo them. We think we can outsmart them. <laughs> and we, want, we, we need your help. And I said, uh, well, um, yeah, I've got a few, I can give you a few tips, yeah, definitely, yeah. Don't, but, but can you not say it's from me, yeah, because I don't really want to, you know, make it obvious <laughs> that I'm helping you out. Let's keep this all incognito, let's keep it all hush-hush. Um, if you stick with me, kid, and we'll, we'll get this one, we'll, we'll get this to number one, all right? And so, um, and I must have trolled this group there, bless them. They've got about a good five, 6,000 people in it, and... Um, and I was sort of given the most ridiculously stupid tips. <laughs> you know, like, um, how many admins you got? Sit, no, it's too many. No, no, go down to one. Just go down to one. Um, add me as an admin as well, because obviously <laughs> I can help that, that out as well. And I kept some, um, and I was trolling little bits here and there as well, because I, I, if any of you are familiar with Photoshop, I'm, I'm not so bad at Photoshop. And I, I took their photo of Margaret Thatcher, and I, I, I just adapted it very, very slightly every so often. So, for example, I put a tattoo, a tattoo on her neck, 
really vague, where if you turn the, the sort of the, the contrast up on your screen um, or your brightness on yeah. your iPhone up really high, you could see it. <laughs> and um, and what I was the tattoo? It was a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And, um, and uh, th there was one I did at I Love Neil Kinnock was another one that we did. <laughs> um, just little silly little things like that, you know. And um, and then obviously it didn't. It really bombed badly. I think it, it maybe might have scraped the top 40. I can't remember now. Um, and I sort of went hands up. Going, oh, I'm really sorry, guys. We tried our best, you know. But it's <laughs> a bad lot. They just knew what they were doing a bit better than we did. But, you know, number two, they've done all right, haven't they? Um, and so, yeah, yeah. But Fantastic. sorry, that was a slight... There we go. Cat's, slight, out, a cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> so... For your next one, obviously it's not quite made the top spice at number two, which is fitting for your choice of uh, list. Yep. What have you gone for for number two? Well, it kind of follows on a little bit from what we were just talking about, actually. And it's another situation where, um, to all intents and purposes, it was number one. It was number one that week, and it was stopped. Um, it the charts for one week only were counted differently, again, in inverted commas. And um, it reached number two, and it's the Sex Pistols, God Save the Queen. Yeah. And that, uh, 1977, during the Queen's Jubilee, and um, it was, uh, I think, a piece of marketing genius yeah. oh. by Mr. McLaren and co. Um, to, to, to bring that out the week they did. And to call it that, because uh, it, the, the, the track originally, the demo version, is called No Future, and that was the, the, the title of the song. And uh, they changed it to God Save the Queen, bring it out the same week as the Queen's Jubilee. Absolute fucking genius to do that. Um, brilliant. Just brilliant. And for that week only, um, the, the charts were, th they decided to count the charts differently, apparently. And did it so switch back after that as well? Uh, yeah, they went back to the normal way of counting the week Yeah, yeah. There, there's a really good interview with Richard, uh, Richard Branson uh, about it because um, the, the track was on Virgin, very a very early Virgin mm. Records at the time because they were the only ones that would actually release it. And um, essentially, you know, Richard Branson was just saying, no, they rigged, they rigged the charts. The charts were rigged that particular week and Rod Stewart was kept on the top spot. Um, first cut is the deepest, I think it might have been on. Anyway, uh, whatever, it was Rod Stewart. And um, it was kept off number one. And, you know, pretty much, you ask you ask anyone in the industry, uh, I know a few people that work at the charts, that used to work at the charts, and they're all, all of them all say, oh, yeah, that was number one. Oh, easy. It was number oh, one single. And, you know, and, you know uh, taking nothing away from, you know, future guerrilla campaigns and and things like that. That was one of the first, right? And mm. you know, and you think of oh the, yeah. the, the, the the state that Britain was in and and you know, the 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 average attitude of the man on the street <coughs> in seventy seven yeah. yeah. to then have something so aggressive, gnarly, you know, politically aggressive it's fucking unbelievable. It's incendiary. Really, you know? I mean, it was just like um, you know, it was a scatter bomb that had just suddenly hit. Yeah, you know, and um, just the 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 ballsy attitude to just the nerve, in fact, just to do that. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, no, I I take my hat off. I mean, I, I um, McLaren was which 
you know, I was was fucking brilliant to do that. And I, I was lucky to meet his son. I worked for his oh, son really? a little bit. Joe Core, yeah. Um, uh, son of Vivian Westwood and, and Malcolm McLaren. And, um, really nice guy. I did I did work with him briefly uh, for the 2015 election. We we worked with Bez to try and get him elected. That's right. Um, and that was fun. And we also tried to st- uh, stop Nigel Farage getting elected in Ramsgate. And I'll tell you what, that was bloody good fun as well. We had a really good laugh with that, and it worked. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, but but the, the 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 genius of that campaign in '77. Yeah. Nothing touches it. I mean, it's it, so I, I'm not, you know. Yeah. It's so weird when you, you know, you, you see that legendary appearance on Bill Grundy. Yes. You know, yeah, and and yeah. you, you look at it and you got half the, you know, the Bromley contingent there in the background, like Susie, and 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 you just think, if you saw that now, I'm sure there'd still be people going, oh fucking state of them. But in 1977, that must have been like nothing before it and it must have just been the you know so reactionary to 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 to, to, to witness something like that yeah. and oh, unbelievable. some people would have been terrified yeah was, um i think it was actually I'm, I'm being picky i think it was actually end of 76 that that performance actually the bill grundy yeah i think that was um because queen was supposed to go on apparently queen to do the bill grundy show and they pulled out for whatever reason they, they pulled out and they had to get someone in quite quick to do it. <laughs> and then so you get the sex instead. Oh, I mean but you, incredible, you know? Before we get to the top spot, let's 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 hang on this for a minute because you look at the music industry now and you look at Adele and Ed Sheeran and and I'm not suggesting, you know, they're not decent recording artists. But they're not going to ever shake shit up, are they? No. Well, I, I, I doubt that. For me, for me as, a, as, a, as a young person, you know, if, if I would have been young enough to have caught the Sex Pistols, you know, and I'm sure, you know, the, the, the generations after that, you know, got it with Nirvana, got it with the new romantic scene, you know, yeah, yeah. got it with Acid House and, and so many movements since then. But for so long now, you know, you you know, I like the Foo Fighters as much as the next man and, and, and they're becoming almost like an acceptable face of rock. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're you know, they're, they're, they're yeah. your, your yeah. mum's not going to be offended by the Foo Fighters. It's and I think that, that reaction that the pistols had, I don't know if you're ever going to get that again. I don't know if you're going to get that. I don't know. Is the industry in such a situation? Is it, is it just because as well though, like if it, like there's so many different interests in music, everything is broken down so much into such smaller categories that nothing can ever get, it's harder for things to get as much national momentum. I guess so. Because there's so much out there. And there's not, you know, there are pockets, but they're there never are. really, it won't get that. And, ne- and also, they're not setting the world on fire. They, they're not doing anything new, per se. But, but, ma- the but maybe were. they are. But, but, but perhaps they've not got a captive audience like, you know, yeah. sitting down at 8 o'clock to watch the Bill Grundy show, which was, you yeah. know, an institution. It, it's the same and, and there isn't that captive audience mm. where you can go on like... You know, well, I remember watching John's Not Mad when I was a kid. And, mm. like, yeah, everyone yeah, went into yeah. school the next day going... Yeah. 
did you watch Panorama or Horizon or whatever it mm. was? Well, I can't even remember what the name of the show was. But you know, everybody remembers that show because exactly. it was it was it was like something you'd you never seen before from four channels, and, and that's and, 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 exactly that. And yeah, that, that's you know, the thing. We, we, it's a very the, the playing field has just got a lot bigger, mm. you know. Whereas in those days it wasn't, and if you managed to get on that playing field, whatever way you could, uh, out of the three channels that was at the time or four um, after '82. You're all right, it, which is why, you know, I, I, I'm slightly going aside here, but I mean, why I had a massive uh, argument stroke debate about um, um, a lot of youngsters. My, my son's 19, and um, I was talking to, I think, him and a few friends, basically just saying, well, why the hell have we still got all your lot headlining all of our festivals? Mm. And I thought, well, you're right, I'm not going to argue with you. No, know, Metallica no, no, are great, no, but I'm bored like with this. them headlining now, yeah, I'll be honest yeah. with you, you know. And, um, and um, be- because at the end of the day, they, because th- these bands started back then when you had a more captive audience, it's easier for them to keep that yeah, fan base. Yeah. It's harder to get a fan base these days. Mm. Um, yes, it's more of an even playing field, which is great, but the downside of that is that it's, it's a lot harder to... Um, get your captive audience because there's so many else others out there you when know. you when you see these you know tv document you know these tv shows and the, you know and, and you've been a talking head on on, on some of them where it's like yeah, yeah you know top 50 most outrageous moments in music i've and done thi- quite a lot of them yeah. actually <laughs> <laughs> but things like that but when you look at the the content of it most of it's 15 years old like yeah. you know they're constantly rerunning episodes of the word you know, yeah, or they're showing right, seminal right. performances on top of the pops mm. where Kurt, you know, mm. sticks the mic in his gob and don't really sing. That's mm. right. And yeah, yeah. And, and, and you think that, that mattered because, you know, or, or Sean Ryder swearing on <laughs> TFI Friday because everyone watched it. Mm. And I guess now, yeah, but yeah. you know, ma- maybe we're just too old to realize what they are doing now because last Saturday, uh, as, you know, as, as Chris and I are both big boxing fans and MMA fans and, and I was sitting in here last Friday and I was just clicking on YouTube to watch the um, weigh-ins for Saturday mm. night's UFC. And the homepage of YouTube was all about this fight. And I was like, who's Logan Paul and yeah, KFC K- or whatever? Uh, KSI, yeah. KPI, like, something like that. And I was thinking, uh, I don't know these fighters. No. And I pretty much know my fighters. Yeah. I was thinking, who are they? And it was like... <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of people like yeah. viewing it and watching and commenting. I was thinking, who are they? And Not I, I, and I got Logan home. Paul get his ass kicked. I think that would yeah. have been a bit. And it was yeah. a, it's a fact that's fascinating, though, Stu. But that and it was really only my does highlight. Saying, yeah. Oh, do you not know they're fighting? It highlights your point, though, mate. Completely of the change in what people are looking at and yeah. what people are mass and what's, d- what's got mass reach. And now. I do like the gorilla element that they yeah. set that up. I'm, I'm, hopefully, I'm correct here. But this is just what my kids have told me and, 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 and some people that also have kids that were, were all over it. That they set up a pay-per-view on YouTube via both their YouTube channels at £7 to watch the fight live. And they had something like a million like pay-per-views. It was a ridiculous amount, yeah. And I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. And genius. 
But yeah. that, yeah. I think, you know, probably highlights what we're saying. Yeah, it does. It all ties into new entertainment. And we've spoke about this on other things, about how YouTube and how people consume stuff now. And podcasts. And, the, and youth and podcasts. Yeah. Like, people are consuming different ways. Like, podcasts tend to be these longer discussion formats. And YouTube, often most episodes are like, you know, if you look at someone's channel, they're rarely 30 minutes. They're, mm. You know, they're little blur bursts of seven minutes of pop. Yeah. And but I just get these insanely huge followings. And yeah, it is... Yeah. It, it, it is it's changing. And I think that's age specific to a degree because when mm. we set this podcast yeah. up, we was adamant that we was going to have a strong presence on YouTube and we mm. realised quite quickly that yeah. the YouTube views yeah. powered in comparison to our downloads yeah. on our podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. completely you know, and yeah. I don't think that many kids probably listen to podcasts, but my kids don't watch TV. They just mm. literally have their laptops <coughs> watching Yeah, why well watch TV anymore? You yeah. Know? I mean, I, I actually... Um, I went up to stay with my my mum lives in Cornwall and I went up there at the bank holiday weekend actually and it's um, down there myself mate. Oh, are you really? Oh, mm -hmm. very well, that's of course and oh, I was in Boss Castle. So oh. yeah, very nice, yeah. But I, I so I went along and for three days, um I'd sort of set it was almost like I was back in about nineteen ninety seven. Because I didn't take my laptop, didn't take any I, I took my phone obviously and, and the kids, um, my boys went along and they took their mobile and I think a Nintendo or something and that was about it. And I ended up, f I was watching TV. And what, in real time? I know, and I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> and I was watching some, uh, I don't know what it was. It was a, a, a honestly, I, I don't know. I, it's been such a long time since I've watched TV um, that I, I just was, I found myself watching TV. And I think, I have no idea what these, I don't know who he is, what they are. <laughs> there was that Mrs. Brown's Boys, which I did oh, sort well, of draw yeah. a line at. And yeah, said, you have to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> I'm not having this, yeah, yeah. all right? I'm not having mem members of my family watching <laughs> that shit. <laughs> Get it off. No, no, well, yeah, I pretty much wasn't far off saying that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and, but to me, it, it, something that I used to do vehemently for years, yeah. it was alien to me. And it, it yeah. really struck me. I was thinking, yeah. I don't want to do this. I no. don't want to watch TV. I don't want to watch it on, that, on your TV? schedule. Yeah. The only time yeah. I still get suckered in, because I'm a bit of a movie nerd, but if a movie comes on TV and it's one of my, one of my haloed movies, it could be fucking Conan, for God's sake. Like, I will have to watch it at that time. Because yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. like, yeah. other people are watching this right now. Yeah. I don't know what that is about me that gets a little kick about the fact part of the nation are all yeah. in it with me watching it. I've experimented but with that very concept. Really? Yeah, I have, because um, I don't know if you know, but Facebook do, on Facebook groups, yeah. they do a thing called a watch party. Right. If you have a look on a Facebook group, <coughs> there's a watch party. And that's bloody good because yeah. what that is is basically you can set a time where you are going to start a video or that's set a video. Brilliant! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it means everyone's got to watch it at the same time. Yeah. And um, and I experimented. I found a, um, uh, a, a, a what was it? I found uh, the film called The Room, which if you yeah. haven't yep. seen that, folks, uh, you uh, what are you doing? It's Remade brilliant. by James Franco recently. Yeah. Not quite well. It was it was more of a documentary, documentary yeah. of that, the right. making of that. Um, and I found it, and I, it was a really bad rip, to be fair. And I stuck it, and I thought Facebook are really hot on things mm. like this, but I'll try it. And I and I managed to get it onto my Facebook page as a full the full movie. And I thought right, so I actually set on my local um, uh, Facebook group, Southwood and Ferrers. Um, I made a watch party to watch The Room. I said, right, from midnight, anyone's with me, we're going to watch The Room. If you haven't seen it, you've got to get on this. And it, it's like just a normal Facebook post. And we had like, 
I think it was like 70 odd people locally all watching this film at the commenting same time. down the side yeah, and you all comment <coughs> together it's like it's a lying clear. cinema like yeah, and, and right. so like I basically I've literally captioned that term so anyone who wants to use that now I want fight what 5p <laughs> um, basically um, back in um, probably about 2007 there was a there was a thing called Justin TV and it was online and like you know I'd, I'd, I'd get into bed and I'd be like I'm just going to put some, something on um I don't think Pornhub was about then. And basically, it was like you go on channels and there's like there's hundreds of different channels. And I've been a horror fan my whole life. And it'd just be old reruns of horror movies that I've always loved. But what you find is like each channel is at this many hundred, this many thousand watching it. Mm. It's bloody mm. amazing. You sit there and then down the comment side, you just watch people. I'm a bit of a lurker. Like I don't really do much yep. commenting. Yeah, yeah. But I'm um, <laughs> straight in there. You can agree <laughs> with that. But... Um, but it's just fantastic. I'd sit there and I'd just love watching people's comments and being part of that community watching it. So, yeah, there's something to there be said for it. There is definitely something about commu- communal yeah. uh, watching of films or TV, definitely, isn't there? Definitely, definitely. I, I find for. if I sit and try to film my kids and then one of them gets their phone out, I'm like, what are we doing? Come mm. on. You, you know, you want everyone to enjoy it. Get yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Well, look, we've hit the hour mark. And uh, so, should we... Should we pull it back and get yeah, your number one? Yeah, put it back. In? Let's get the number let's one in. It. Let's hear it. Yeah, okay, right. Well, the number, in my opinion, the number one, number two <laughs> uh, of all time, uh, in my humble opinion, is Wham! Last Christmas. Ah. Oh. Did that Great not go show. to number one? No, no. Um, in 1984, it went to number two, and it was the biggest selling number two single ever. Uh, right. And by Band-Aid. Oh, of course, course. And then last Christmas, no pun intended, um, we did a campaign to try and get it back to get it to number one. Yeah, yeah. And um, and again, it got to number two. <laughs> we we <laughs> failed again. So, uh, but it was good. The irony. Was, but I tell you what, it was it was um, it was bloody good fun. And to get it to number two twice was just a bit of a weird. Yeah. I don't know. It, was, it, it, it didn't hit the top. But actually, I mean, Ed Sheeran beat us. But we thought, well, you know, it's been a bloody good laugh. And, yeah. Um, but but to me, that is just such. A brilliant song. It is. Um, it's probably my favourite Christmas tune. I think that or Stop the Cavalry, Jonah Louie. It's between those two for me. And it, it's just, I think it's just a genius piece of writing. It's a, it's a, it's a, cracking, a, song. It's a cracking single. And uh, yeah. So should we get some honourable mentions in before we finish? Like okay. any others that you, you you would like to sort of throw in the the loop? I think I mentioned earlier, but the Stone Roses. Yeah, one of my all-time favourite tunes. Love it, and that—that that, I don't know what beat that to number one. But that was number two. Yeah, you know. Um, I, I want to throw in um, the Crackers International EP by Erasure, which the oh, the single was Crackers Stop International. Yeah, and uh, and I think Stop is a absolutely yeah. fantastic record. Erasure. Pop, pop geniuses, yeah, and yeah. that was kept off. I believe the Christmas number one um, by. Kylie and Jason, especially for you. Uh, strictly speaking, um, that wasn't actually Christmas number one, Kylie oh, and Jason. Okay. It was number one near Christmas. So I'm going to get really arsy here, but I know these. <laughs> no, it was actually um, it was after Christmas that went to number one. Oh, right, uh, okay. The Christmas that time was actually, ironically, Band Aid 2. Ah, right. Um, yeah. Oh, that was, that was tragic. Good. I think <laughs> that was the one featuring like Sonia and Big Fun, <laughs> Cliff but Richard. I might be saying controversial here, but even that was better than Band Aid 30 and 40, which I thought. Just an appalling, just what the thinking behind that was, I do not know. Because, like, if you want to, yeah, 
Mike Leave it Kelly. alone. Yeah. Make Band Aid yeah. 30 and 40. Yeah. Think of something new, that folks. Wasn't 40, sorry. Band Aid 20 and 30, I mean. Yeah. And so yes. we, we can't discuss this without mentioning Vienna, obviously. And uh, Joe Dolce all the way, mate. Yeah. Joe Dolce, shut up your face. Best bet uh, thing kept Ultravox's Vienna from the top. I, um, I mean, I'll admit that I, I, I fucking that shit. Vienna, Vienna. Or no, I cannot stand Vienna. Yeah, it's um, it's pompous nonsense. I, I I've never liked it. But as a, as a or was you, you know. secretly happy then? That year, I suppose well, I was a kid at the time, and I remember singing oh, along right, to it. Yeah. And but I'll tell you something. Um, very quickly, in 2010, 2011, there was a campaign. Someone had started a campaign to put Vienna at number one, where it should have been, supposedly. And um, again, I think a couple of guys got in touch with me going, yeah, we're, we're trying to do this. We, we want you on board. And I said, well, I'll be honest with you, chaps. I don't I don't care. And, and, and you know, and I have to say, I would probably campaign to put Joe Dolce up against it for a <laughs> angle. <laughs> Um, just so you'd get a bit of press out of it, I would as well. And as it happens, Joe Dolce happens to be a Facebook friend of mine who talks quite talks to me now and again <laughs> here and there. And so we'd have a bloody good laugh with this. And we didn't do it eventually, but um, did they bother? Or did they? They tried, but it didn't. Fell flat. Yeah. But we're, we're, we're very similar of age, and 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 I think you know we we must have been very young. You know, that was early eighties, wasn't it? Eighty uh, one, uh, I think yeah. it might have been. Yeah, and yeah. Joe Dolce, shut up your face. It was the greatest thing ever, wasn't mm. it? it? At was the like time, it was, the, honestly, when we were kids, we? yeah. shut yeah. up your face yeah, was yeah. the best fucking tune yeah. in, year, in, as in your early life. It was just brilliant. And and looking back on it, I, I, I did a, uh, a, again, it's one of these sort of Channel 5 list show things that I had to do. And I had to comment on, on that song. And, and that, funny enough, it was commenting and all the others were doing, oh, yeah, Vienna was much better. And I was the only one that came out going, no, fuck that. <laughs> Joe <laughs> Dolce quite rightly went to number one because it was a better song. Yeah. <laughs> it was better than Vienna. And in 2018, I still fully stand 100% stand by that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know? Uh, he's, he's, you know, Midyear co-wrote Band Aid, so I'm sure... Uh, He's had his fair he's, share he's of time at right. number one, right? Yeah. He also, he, he, if I was, was a number one. Was solo. that number one? Uh, I believe it was, yeah. Uh, so I'm uh, a chart geek. You, yeah. you, you don't You've lost me on that. Me, I'm afraid. Yeah. That one, did. you definitely um, called me out. But, yeah, but don't see me tears in her eyes. That must have been chart bothering. Uh, that must have been up uh, that there. Wasn't a, that wasn't a... Harrowing video. Tough. That was one of the first videos that really scared me as a kid, that. Because it was all about the... The warning going off, and 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 the nuclear bomb was going to happen, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, running through crowds now. trying to get home. I uh, think I uh, remember that actually. Yeah, that was um, yeah. Oh, another, oh, another mention actually, another honourable mention, which not many people like, but I like it. Is a, a track called "Be Quick or Be Dead" by Iron Maiden. That was number two, and it's not one of their best songs. I know that, but I love it. You yeah, know, that was what kept that off. Can you remember? I d um, no. No, because 92 that, that was. Because that was a big deal when Bring Your Daughter to Slaughter. Was, that, was that a Christmas number one? That, no, but that, that was another piece of marketing genius, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Um, number one for two weeks, Iron Maiden, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Wow. Not their best song in the world, but what they did is that they, they exploited the chart rules. And, and they you're allowed, I think, six remixes of the same or of right. on your singles. So what I made and did is they brought out different formats, and they were the first to do it, really. Really, they were the first to do it, where they brought a different B-side out on each format. And Maiden's so following his diehard, right? 
absolutely. And they also released it. The charts that year, I think the Christmas chart but was announced or completed December the 20... It was early. It was, it was six days before Christmas itself. So the, ch the, the chart topper was Cliff Richard's uh, Saviour's Day, right? And what Iron Maiden did is they were doing Christmas gigs in the UK at the time. And they were basically just stopping the, stopping the gig and saying, right, this is what we're going to do, right? We're releasing this one and we want to be top of the Christmas tree instead. Um, but the way we're doing it, it's going to be the week it will actually hit number one officially the week after Christmas. No one releases singles. The it's week the easiest time to chart, isn't it? It's the no easiest time to chart. That's how Offspring did it. Yeah. Right. Offspring were number one. Uh, Terrorvision almost did it the same week as Offspring, funny enough. Uh, they tried it in a January and they were number two. To Tequila, that's another honourable mention, surely. Tequila by Terrorvision. Love that. Great <laughs> You know, kept off by Pretty Fly for a White Guy. That was an interesting week, you know. But yeah, but so um, January was the time, and if you look back historically, mm. a lot of the rock bands and the indie bands that released singles actually started January because mm. no one else was, you know, that was yeah. the time to do it. Yeah, you yeah. get a bigger hit if you did it in January yeah. than you did it in, say, summer or before Christmas. So that's that's how they, they pulled that mm. one off, and that's how you had a track like Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. <laughs> yeah. And clever, releasing different B-sides on different formats. Yeah, they? they did, like, Led Zeppelin covers, and they did all these... Like, what they did was they... They did a lot of covers of some very famous tunes. They did Communication Breakdown, Led Zeppelin. They did Doctor Doctor UFO. Um, but you had to buy all the versions. I mean, to get, get, to get them. But, but post that, that become a, a thing throughout the nineties. You know, every band released variant CD singles Absolutely. with different B sides and remixes. This on, one on of each two one. Disc set. Remember those? Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Faith Absolutely. No More got to number two or number three with um, Easy. A uh, Be Aggressive. Be Aggressive. Yeah. That was that. Be aggressive should never be in the top forty. Yeah, <laughs> but that was like a number two. Oh no, great! <laughs> Angel Dust, fucking brilliant album. One of my one of my favourite albums. I love that album. I could go on about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but that yeah, you're right. The nineteen sort of the early to mid nineties, it was it was the thing. You know, it was you wouldn't just release one single. You'd have four or five, I think, mm. maximum you're allowed, and you every format. You yeah. Put it was a cracking time to collect collect CDs. Absolutely. I mean, oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I, I got just so many, and um, yeah, unfortunately, we don't do it now. And you I, know, think I don't really, I don't, I don't really collect those bits and pieces. Well, you know? One of the things with the metal bands as well, going back to you know, GNR and, and and you know bands like Wasp and bands like Maiden, picture discs. You know, oh, on vinyl, yes, they yeah, were big yeah. purveyors of them, mm. and you know they were always, you know, you'd, you could buy the twelve, you could buy the seven. Looked so impressive, didn't you it? You could buy no? a picture disc, you know, and it was like, and I remember um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, the Gang, I won't say his real name. Um, <laughs> he, because uh, you worked on a campaign with him as well. I, I did uh, number sixty-three. We got excellent. that too. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, but I remember once we was um, we we found this place uh, in Dagenham where they used to make the picture discs. And uh, and in the bins outside, they used to throw out the ones because a lot of them, like I think Guns N' Roses, it was either Paradise City or one of them was the shape of a gun. A uh, night train. Night train. Okay, so yeah. it was that, and it was in the shape of a gun. But sometimes they didn't cut them out, and they just still had like the circular with yeah. clear vinyl around it. They're throwing in the bin. Now they an uncut picture disc is so much more collectible and worth right. so much more money. Really? And I think Cunt's got shitloads of them with clear vinyl around so the that's outside. That's where this factory was. Uh, do you know what? 
How many years has that been? I've heard about a factory somewhere no in deepest Essex, yeah. somewhere that was making picture discs. Yeah. And if you went out to their skip at the right time, yeah. you were lucky and yeah. you would find some gems. Oh, yeah. I had no How idea. exciting. Yeah. What about that as a kid? He was all part, of, uh, all part of our journey when we'd, we'd go and do the boot sales and, uh, and then we'd go and, yeah, and have a little so rummage. Exactly. Oh. We, we had a, um, the sticker, we had a sticker uh, factory. Panini and all that. Loads were made in Stafford. No oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you so could get all the rare ones with a bit well, of Well, oh. I'll tell you what, it, it was the one town in Essex, or probably in the whole country, where there was no point, no one went to the newsagents to buy stickers, like the Return of the Jedi yeah. stickers mm. or Football 86. You just didn't buy them, because you just go to the skip, or someone who makes a go to skip, fill their bags up, and you just go for the bags and go, oh yeah, there's... You know, it's Glenn Hoddle with, <laughs> his, his, he looks a bit green because they've got the colour side wrong. Mm -hmm. Don't matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Amazing. He, yeah, yeah. And, and in, in early to mid-1980s in Southwood and Ferrers, literally, you, you, every single BMX, every chopper, every bike, it, we're covered in stickers because yeah. literally, you just, you could go and, <laughs> we just go and nick reels and reels. <laughs> Of this uh, tip tree uh, jams got theirs made there. Um, th uh, the what's the Bond film? The Bond film sticker album. You could get James Bond stickers, Weetabix stickers. They gave away. Brilliant. Those ones where you had to like you know, buy packets of. Yeah. Flakes. Didn't matter. You didn't in Southwood them. You didn't need to. You just went right. Well, I'll have that one, and I'll have that one. And Brilliant. Then Brilliant. Before they saw it, you know. Uh, Superb. God, that's where it was then. Dagging them right. John, it's been amazing. As always, chaps. Thanks, uh, man. Thank like, so we're so lucky over. with the guests that we have on, and, and <laughs> our, our interest in the chats are. And this one's been a uh, been superb, John. So thanks so much, mate. Thanks for, for having me. Like, yeah, no, it's it's been a while, wasn't it? But we finally got it. Got yeah, it sorted yeah. And, got um, it done. And and it's been a pleasure place chat. for thank it you. as well. So thank you. Put in, in the pink toothbrush. No, I quite agree. Yeah. yeah. Lovely, John. Absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you, very gentlemen. Much. Cheers, buddy. Well, there you have it. That's the end of our Collison episode. With Mr. John Malta. Um, we knew you'd love him because he's a proper good lad. And that's some interesting stuff he's done, right? Um, absolutely fascinating that that sitting in your, your front room can come up with just mad little ideas that literally rewrite pop culture. And, and you know, the, what we didn't even touch on, uh, aside from Rage getting to number one, um, was the fact that, you know, there was then a, a free gig that Rage played at Finsbury Park to, I, I dread to think how many thousands of people, where uh, John was welcomed on stage for that. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, big love to uh, to John for coming down, and thanks to the Pink Toothbrush for letting us record there, and we will see you next week. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 